1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? I lost my parents. That pain made me who I am. I spent a lifetime trying to right the wrongs of the past, as if fighting crime would bring my parents back. You actually did it. I can't imagine what you've been through. I love you, Monkey. <laughs> you lost both parents in one day. Barry! I went back in time to save my parents. But instead, I completely broke the universe. If you went back and changed the past, this world must die. You changed the future. Do you know what this symbol stands for? It means hope, right? I will help you fight Zod. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I have to undo what I did. These scars we have make us who we are. I'm not meant to go back and fix them. Don't let your tragedy define you. What did you do? No matter what we do, we're not going to be able to fix this. No! Nobody dies! 
You're strapped to your parachutes. It wins yours! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spataro, and as usual, I am joined by my good buddy, Mr. Sean Whalen. Hey, Sean. Terrific to be here, buddy. Always good for you to be here. And this time out, we are joined for the second time on the show by my nephew, Mr. Brett Saro. Hi. How are you guys doing, guys? <laughs> Have you guys been in the breeze for a couple for the last, what, 45 minutes while I haven't been here? Yeah, we've been wait, waiting for you to... Well, you know what? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? The old guys wait for the young guy? Well, yeah, I, I, it's funny because I have technological issues and you assume the old guys would be the ones having the problems with Skype, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> you, would, you would think, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have other problems, Brett. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses. What could I tell you? But uh, one of the pluses is having as much experience and exposure to multiverse comic books, which just made this movie that we're talking about today, which if you don't know yet and you're listening, it's the flash made it more of a pleasant experience for me. Certainly I'm guessing for Sean as well. And just by the way, I'm going to throw in at the beginning, you know, everybody, not everybody, but most people who are listening probably know that Sean's main podcast is Raging Bullets, which is over 700 episodes deep. And in part one of episode 700, him and his uh, excellent co-host Jim Segulin did a deep dive on this movie. So I listened to that when it came out, which is a little while ago already, and I have to tell you, it's one of the good things about being old is I really don't remember the specifics of what you said. So <laughs> it's as if we were doing this brand new, which is perfect. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. I just don't remember what you said. You know, I'm old. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned it as a deep dive, though, and there's some truth to that. I like it's funny knowing that we do this together. I was deliberately trying not to do a review. Because I figured we would probably have that conversation. So it was really more a chat around the events of the film versus actually critiquing it. Which uh, today I'm looking very forward to talking about this film in a very different light. All right, cool. So then that means these two episodes will work as a good companion piece to each other. Now, Brett and I, uh, if you don't remember Brett, he, he was on uh, when we reviewed The Suicide Squad. Uh, and he and I actually saw this movie together along with uh, three of his cousins, uh, which, you know what, going back to the same thing I said, when you're an old guy and the young guys invite you to come along, when the young guys invite you to come along, your first thought is, well, they want you to pay. But they did not want me to pay. In fact, he never even asked me to pay him back for his ticket. I had to go to him and solicit it uh, or to pay him back for my ticket, rather. Uh, so when, when the young guys ask you to come along, you, you treat it as, as an honor. And I was thrilled to go with them. And I, I have to say, I had a really good time hanging out with the guys. So Brett, thank you for inviting me. Uh, and, uh, I'll tell you, I did not have a lot of preset expectations for this movie. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I really did enjoy it. And that's my basic quick review of it. Uh, Brett, why don't you chime in and say what your first initial thoughts were? Yeah, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a pretty good movie too. I mean, obviously, I had expectations of like the source material, but obviously, the, when you have to see the trailer, you kind of have an idea that it's not going to be the same movie. So, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, the problem with trailers nowadays is, is a lot of times they do spoil a lot, a lot of what happens in the movie. 
But overall, I enjoyed the movie too. It was a pretty funny movie. When you when you got comedy mixed in, it kind of like the plot doesn't have to be the most rock solid. So I feel like that was a good portion of it. Is that the comedy kind of like offset some of the you know the CGI was a little wonky at times. There was some definitely some some strange moments, but like the comedy itself was very good. So I feel like that that really improved the movie. Okay, you know what, and and I'm going to just chime in on that right away. Um, I've I thought the CGI was a little wonky. Uh, I thought the babies at the beginning looked like the Ellie McBeal baby that I don't know if you would remember that. You may not have been old. You may not be old enough to remember that. But when the internet first became big, that was a big thing. Was downloading the Ally McBeal baby, which was a CGI dancing baby, uh, and it's in the early days of CGI, so it really was not as realistic looking as you might hope. And I thought the babies at the beginning had a little of that wonkiness to them. At the end, when you when the multiverse is ready to crash, and you're seeing Nicolas Cage, and you're seeing uh, Christopher Reeve. Oh, by the way, spoilers. Um, when you're seeing all of this, there was a little bit of a wonkiness to that also. But what I've been told is that they said they did that intentionally because that's also supposed to be part of the whole multiverse crashing. That it, you know, it, that it it would uh, kind of ruin your ability to to see things as clearly and it would ruin some of the definition of everything. So I'm, I'm accepting that. I'm good with that. It's funny. When I was watching the film, I didn't notice that as much. I was watching it twice. I saw it with my wife and I saw it with my co-host Jim. And that wasn't a thing. Now, since then, obviously, it's been quite a bit of time since I saw the two viewings, and I've seen a lot online about it, and it's inarguable. I mean, there was some definite CGI issues and and totally agree with the criticisms. Um, but it was funny. I think you, were, you both mentioned it before. The movie was fun, and I think that was something... I, sometimes that will suspend your disbelief, and I think that's what I was experiencing, was the fact that uh, the fun factor of this movie kind of being the summer popcorn flick kind of feel uh took i guess maybe ignore what was happening in front of me to a certain extent i but every everything you just said i was like i'm like oh yeah no i agree that was a thing and that sounds like a convenient excuse almost to a certain extent as far as the multiverse was crashing (laughs) it does but you know what if you can give me something to mind wipe it or you know to mind uh, to, to to put in my head and, and say well this is why it was that way now sure. i can get by it sure i'm always oh, willing to to mind canon stuff what, what's that brett no i was i was saying pretty much the same thing as like i said if you throw a couple of things in there you won't be as focused on like like i said if it's a more serious movie that's just very very plot based obviously you're going to be a lot more focused on that so if there's like plot holes or weird cgi moments you're going to be a lot more fixated on it and like versus if it's a lot of comedy and there's kind of like a lot of a lot of chaos going on you're not going to be as quick to like pick up on it or like you know that kind of thing yeah no quite no question i agree with you there and now i think there's inevitable comparisons of this movie to no way home or into the spider-verse because all of a sudden we're seeing all sorts of multiverse stuff going on in uh in these movies but i think each one of them kind of stands alone to some extent other than the fact that you are hitting on on multiple dimensions now the way i'm looking at it and i you know you correct me if i'm wrong on this is i think that i have probably a greater appreciation for it and i think 
you know, I know, uh, I know Sean is deeply invested in comics and I know Brett, you have some, some background in it more than the average person. So I think as, as somebody who has a comic reading background, uh, the whole concept of the multiverse just sits so much easier in my, uh, in my mind. And what it does is as somebody who has become a continuity nerd and somebody who likes everything to kind of fit together as a jigsaw puzzle is it allows me to explain away anything that doesn't fit in like a jigsaw puzzle by saying, well, that's a different continuity. That's fine. So it, so it all exists. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about the 1966 Batman show or the, you know, 1989 Batman movie or, or the Christian Bale movies or again, spoilers, George Clooney as Batman. Uh, you know, all of those things exist in their own dimension. Christopher Reeves exists in, Reeve exists in his own dimension. George Reeves exists in his own dimension as Superman. And in some dimension where they never actually even made the movie, Nicolas Cage exists as, as Superman. So to me, that's all just so much fun on top of the movie. That's without, without even having a viable story yet, which we'll get to. Uh, just being able to see that on my screen is a huge plus for me right off the bat. This allowed a lot of freedom of imagination, which I think is the thing with the multiverse, where you can kind of... Obviously, if the three of us went around the room and talked about some of our favorite comic book movies or TV shows or you know stories relating to any of the characters that were featured in this, it could be very different between the three of us. Um, and also, just even story beats that we consider important. But when you have that freedom, you know, with the multiverse to be able to kind of craft your own continuity because of that, it does take a lot of the things that were missteps along the way in, in universes and give you some opportunity to kind of get more comfortable with it. It's why I'm sad this movie didn't do better than it did, um, just because I think for a lot of people it, it takes kind of the DC lane of these type of movies and gives a lot more creative freedom to you know kind of craft your own version of what's going on and what you what you want to enjoy well now see i have my niche comic book geek friends mm -hmm. of which you happen to be one uh and actually brett is one also in his own way uh and i know you you know you have the same thing going and i'm curious brett when you follow this stuff i know you read flashpoint back when it, when it was uh out uh and we talked about that after the movie so i you know i was adequately impressed with your knowledge of it uh but you know we went with your your three cousins and then my question that comes to mind is do you have like a group of friends who follow this stuff or is it kind of just every every man or woman for themselves yeah for me it's really every man one for themselves i wrote on that maybe i had like one friend like in school let's say but like not someone that i would consistently talk to it about or kind of just every now and then so yeah it's pretty much just me so like when i when i come to that stuff you're pretty much the only outlet i have to talk about that stuff so it's, that's one of the that's probably the main reason i invited you because like let's say you know the, the rest of the cousins like again we'll have fun watching the movie but like i can never have an actual conversation with any of that stuff so like you're the only outlet and with that movie specifically i was i was interested to see what your take it was on it so that's that's one of the main reasons i invited you well i'm happy to be an outlet that way uh Again, it was it was fun for me to do it. So, please take advantage of that outlet whenever you want. Uh, so now, actually, based on something Brett said earlier, um, 
he mentioned the source material, like in kind of expectations walking into this, the fact that you're dealing with a movie that's dealing with the Flashpoint source material. And so when you, when you see movies like this, where clearly it's based on that source material, this one, obviously, it was its own version of a Flashpoint story. It did not, like, feel beholden to follow the Flashpoint story. As a matter of fact, I would argue there's certain key story beats that it followed. But other than that, there were... It basically crafted its own multiverse around that that's very different than what happened in the source material. Do you Were you expecting and wanting it to be close to the source material, closer to the source material than it was? Or did you find it refreshing that it wasn't? Oh, you're asking me directly. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I was actually thinking about that when I was thinking about what I was going to say because that was probably – honestly, I liked that it wasn't because, again, like, mm -hmm. obviously, if you're a purist, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I want everything to be exact. But then, again, where's, like, the excitement and, like, the surprise of a movie? Like, I don't want to walk into a movie knowing everything that's going to happen. So if it was just, oh, yeah, it happened exactly the way things played out in the, in the original source material, it's like – what I mean, I, I want to be, like, kind of surprised, interested, and be like, oh, shock and awe. So the fact that it was like dramatically different, it was similar, but the fact that it was dramatically different in a lot of ways, like I, I really appreciate it. I kind of like when they do that. Like, I don't like when every single thing to a T is exactly the same. I feel like that kind of takes the excitement out of it. So, so I, I honestly liked it. What'd you guys think? See, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I do. I love the surprise. And I, what I always point to as my example is I feel like as much as I enjoyed the movie, I feel like they ruined the biggest surprise in Thor Ragnarok by sh throw by showing the Hulk in the trailer. Mm -hmm. If you hadn't seen him in the trailer, it, that would, moment would have been spectacular to be sitting in the theater and have that occur. Uh, so I, I, I really prefer to be surprised. On the other hand, uh, sometimes when you've read something and your imagination is soared with it, seeing it on the screen yeah. is, uh, you know, just an amazing experience in and of itself. In this particular one, it's funny because the thing I would have been most inclined to be curious about is the thing I'm actually glad they didn't do, which is just a strange parallel there, is I really would have liked to have seen what they would have done with Thomas Wayne as Batman, like they did in Flashpoint. On the other hand, that would have meant no Michael Keaton, which, I mean, I can't... Michael Keaton was... was you know, a huge standout in this movie. So I can't imagine them making this movie without him, even though I would have liked to have seen that other aspect of it just the same. So who am I to say, how, which, which is the right way to go? It's an example of where some things, and they had to put him in the trailer. Like I, it would have been great to see this movie, not knowing if Michael Keaton was going to be in it. It would have been great to see this movie, not knowing Nasha Kali was going to be in it as Supergirl. But I really feel that, strategically they were trying to draw people in using those characters and i wish it had worked m more because i thought they were a, a critical key to my enjoying it was the fact that they had the a lot more fleshed out story beats with them i thought they were going to be a lot more cameo based than they were mm. and i was really pleasantly surprised at the significant arc that they gave both of them which i was not expecting to the level that it was See, according to Wikipedia, the budget of this movie was somewhere between 200 and 220 million, and the box office has been 262 million. I don't even know if it's still in any theaters to speak of. It it may have a, a, a small release at this point, but I don't think it has any wide release anymore. Uh, so the the numbers aren't going to pick up all that dramatically. Now I don't know what the secondary gain on these movies is with the streaming uh, and or the video, you know, home video, which uh, 
you know, is is not necessarily a booming market either. Uh, the streaming is booming, but the home video is not. Uh, so I don't know, you know, where it falls as far as money goes, but certainly as far as what their goals are for a movie like this, uh, there's no question that, that those numbers are, are a failure uh, for what they're looking for. And I'm trying to think of what the reason for the failure is, and I'm coming up with a couple of things. Uh, one, and this is the elephant in the room, and I'm going to make mention of it once, and then I'm going to walk away from it, is uh, Ezra Miller's uh, reputation uh, for being possibly a bad person. Uh, I don't know the details of what, and I got to got to get myself in the mode to say it the right way of what they did. Uh, Cause I'm not used to using, I, I don't always have the, the, the right pronouns and I want to try and be respectful and use the ones that they want me to. Uh, so Ezra Miller apparently goes by they and them. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to accept that and actually try and use it. Uh, so I don't know the details of what they did or what they didn't do. And I don't really care which is probably a little callous of me because in the past there have been people who I thought were bad people and I thought, well, I don't want to put money in their pocket uh, because I think they're bad people. So I probably should have an opinion one way or the other, but I don't. And what I can say is that the performance in this movie, in my opinion, was surprisingly strong. Mm -hmm. I thought Ezra Miller did a great job of portraying the role uh, and it even stands out more to me when you consider that they had two parts and were interacting with each other through most of the movie. Uh, you know, and it, and it wasn't, you know, the Brady Bunch where Alice's cousin comes over and they look alikes and you have a split screen and put them together somehow. This was truly making, you know, them blend together and act together in a way that I don't know if I've ever seen one actor do before. So I, I, I have to say, if that's one of the reasons for the, for the failure of the movie, that's a disappointment. Uh, the second reason I have is that uh, we've seen multiverse movies before and people who aren't necessarily, you know, huge comic geeks might be saying, well, I've had enough of this. I, I saw Spider-Man into the, into the Spider-Verse and I saw uh, No Way Home and I saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I don't need to see another multiverse movie. And if that's the case, I'm also disappointed because I think people have cost themselves a good time. The final reason, and I think this may be the biggest one, is DC's announcing that they're going to wipe the slate clean and start all over again with a new Superman and a whole new uh, set of movies so that this continuity is gonna, not going to count anymore. And people don't like to see things that aren't going to count. Uh, and again, I'm a little disappointed because, you know what, each movie, even if it is part of a big universe, each movie has to stand or fall on its own. And I think this one stood well on its own. So those are my three reasons for the box office failure. I think there's a fourth I would add to that. At least this is my perception of a fourth. And it's it's not a DC versus Marvel thing, but there's there's a reality to the fact that and take take a lot of superhero movies, and I think put it in this category. I think the Marvel film franchises have, through just years of box office success, years of storytelling success, um, years of mass market appeal, have kind of established themselves as the brand, the premier movie brand. 
you know, if you're going to go see a superhero film and you're a casual fan, the ones you're going to want to go to are the Marvel ones. And I think that's where it's, I think if there's a struggle for the DC films to overcome that perception. They're going to have to do something really special with this new relaunch that they're doing to separate themselves in a way that will have people taking more of a chance on those films than they've been. I mean, this one had Michael Keaton in what I think is the third Batman movie in that franchise. You know, realistically, with the arc he was given here, and people passed on that. Um, and that that's a part that's kind of a hard pill for me to swallow, because I really felt like that was one of the pieces that stood... Like, I agree with everything you just said about Ezra Miller. I thought he did a great job in this, and he's not like my idea of Barry Allen, but I thought his performance was, or their performance in this was so good. And, um, you know, again, like you said, no disrespect, but I mean, that's, I I felt the performance was great. So when, you know, I look at that, I look at what Michael Keaton was doing in there. I liked what Sasha Cali was doing. It's really interesting to take a look at this film and how it did. And, I had every bit as much fun with this as I've had with most of the Marvel movies that have come out recently, you know, Brett, and, and not compare, uh, not speaking against the two. Brett, do you, uh, I, I, I like the fact that we have kind of the generational thing here a little bit, but to people in your age group, is there a fondness, a nostalgia, a connection to Michael Keaton as Batman? Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, compared to, let's say, like, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, I wouldn't say so, honestly. Like, I wouldn't see, like, if we're talking about, let's say, the cousins that we saw with, I don't think any, any probably either of them, I guess it was three of them, had seen that, the original Batman movie. So I, I wouldn't say that, no. I don't believe so. See, that's the thing, you know, when, when you mentioned that, Sean, is that, uh, well, to you and I, Michael Keaton as Batman is like, oh my god, I can't believe he's back playing the role 31 years after he last played it. But to Brett, it's, oh, this guy is playing it, and he did it 10 years before I was born. And I well, not 10 with, years, almost 10 years. And I agree with that. What's what's intriguing about this, and, and actually everything Brett said is smart, and I, I totally agree with it. Um, it's, it's more of the puzzling part is our generation wasn't coming out to see it. I don't know if our generation, you and I being exceptions to that, have totally right. recovered from the pandemic as far as going to the movies. And I think that's a thing. And I think you're. I think that's the that's an interesting point right now. It's and I think it's affecting film in general. So it's interesting when you take a look at this film and we look at the numbers that it did. And I think Brett's nailing. I think you know and spotlighting a key problem. I don't have the connection to that guy. I mean, it's, and if he does, and if there's not the connection to Ezra Miller, you know, where it's this, this kind of DC universe of films that's been going on and that's not going to be the draw, then the interesting part is some of what I said with Michael Keaton should have drawn out our audience, but I think you're right. I think you're nailing it. COVID's still, still a thing. So the after effects of it. And, and, Ezra Miller is not what I picture as Barry Allen. Agreed. Um, and, and never was. Uh, Grant Gustin, who played the Flash in the TV series, uh, took a little time to grow on me because he was a little younger than what I 
pictured in the role. But o- over time, I really enjoyed that series. And that, that series kind of had a, had a, a what is it? is it, a parabola? I'm, I'm forgetting my, my uh, math, where it kind of started off slow, picked up, and then eventually just kind of like slowed down and, and, you know, became a little too repetitive for me in its storylines. Uh, but for at, at its peak, I really, really enjoyed that show and his performance in the part. And I came to respect him in the role. So then when they said, oh, we're making this Justice League movie and we're going to have somebody else play the part, it, it just didn't sit right with me from the start. Uh, and I felt in the Justice League movies, or and I say movies because there's the two different cuts of it. Uh, I mean, it's the same movie, but it's not. Uh he was kind of the comic relief in it, but uh, it, the, the tone of the movie was much darker than the tone of this movie. Even though this movie, you know, presents themes of uh, the, Barry Allen's mother getting killed, his father going to prison for life for the for for her death, uh, and the world coming to an end because of the multiverse crashing. Even though those are th- things in the movie, this was a much much more lighthearted movie than those themes would make you think. Uh, and then to see him in that role, uh, my first thought was no. But again, I, I thought they aced it. Any thoughts, Brett? Well, my biggest thing is I just from what I've just talked to people, obviously they don't have as much knowledge about it as we do. It definitely seems that DC has struggled to like let's say compared to Marvel. Yeah, they've kind of what he was saying a little bit too is that like let's say outside of Batman and Superman, especially like outside of batman they've struggled to like get people to really care about anyone outside of him like whether it's i mean the flash i really don't think they could have done any other storyline and, and it would i mean we think this didn't do as well as everyone would have thought if they did anything but this i think it would have completely tanked so like that's the thing i feel like they just haven't been able like i said outside of the recent batman movie and the dark knight and those movies like even superman like that or hasn't been like outside of man of steel i feel like Batman v Superman didn't do as good as people thought they were going to do. Like they've struggled to really make people care about all the superheroes. Whereas let's say between the Avengers, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, like Marvel has just done like a dramatically better job. So it's like one of those things that they have to just, that is why they kind of have to rebuild from the, from the ground up. Is that like the first, their first go around, let's say the last 10 years just did not go the way they expected. So they really do have to kind of blow things up a little bit. But I mean, you, I mean, let's say your opinion, do you really think if they did any other storyline with the flash, it would have done even close to what this one did. So I feel like I feel like that's the problem is that the Flash, as as a hero by himself, like in a movie, let's say against Reverse Flash or one of those guys, it would not have done what it did, like what this movie did. No, I, I totally agree with that. I, I and and you know I do blame DC a little bit for its marketing failures on that, because for years and years and years, Superman was their flagship character, and. Then for reasons, well, for reasons, Batman became the more popular public character. And instead of remedying it, and they don't have to remedy it to try and make Batman less popular, but they should have allowed Superman to have his place because he is a cornerstone hero. They kind of relegated him to second behind Batman. And I kind of don't appreciate that. I, I never have. Uh, and you know, and, and I feel like it was an example of that is in Batman v Superman, which I am, uh, I have been very critical of over the years that since it came out. Uh, and one of the things that I that I really just left a bad taste in my mouth was when that movie was over. Lex Luthor's prime 
hero antagonist was now Batman, not Superman. And that bothered the heck out of me, and it still does. And I couldn't stand the casting of Lex Luthor, to be fair, in that particular movie. Um, I don't blame the actors so much as the fact that they just picked the wrong one. I, I, you know, I don't think he could have done better with it. I think he was just not the right guy for that role. But we're not reviewing that movie. But I think it's just, again, it's it's. I think DC over the years has placed too much trust in certain people. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not here to antagonize the Zack Snyder people, but I don't think Zack Snyder should be creating the entire universe, which is kind of what they seem to do is they, you know, they, they took the Christian Bale Batman movies and then they told Zack Snyder, you run with that and make that our universe. Or, or he said, I can run with that and make that our universe or whatever the case may be. And this movie, I feel like, stepped away from that and didn't go with that those very, very dark themes and that dark presentation. They didn't attempt to show DC Comics as a film noir, which I think is what Zack Snyder kind of did. Um, and, I, and I definitely appreciate that effort to pull it out of that. But it's a half-assed effort, unfortunately, because they already gave up on it before this movie came out. I saw an interview recently with Henry Cavill. I, it was an excerpt or something. I saw it on Instagram, you know, but it was him talking about uh, Man of Steel and the ending of it. And I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time on it, but where it relates to this is he was talking about, like, there, there, was, there was controversy, obviously, with the ending of that film. And he was talking about how that was supposed to be leading to multiple movies that were showing, you know, where the character goes from there and the growth of the character and the evolution of the character. I will say with this film, one of the things that I really liked was Ezra Miller's. I thought the original Justice League movie that the Flash was too silly for it to be Barry Allen. And I actually liked this. He was Bart Allen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And yet in the Snyder Cut, I thought that they were able to develop the character a little bit more, and I liked him better in that cut. But this movie in general, I thought, did a great job of continuing the evolution of the character. And I can't help but wonder if that isn't some of the trajectory of this, but it was just maybe going too slow. Um, and I'm saying for all of these characters, for you know, the Snyderverse, um, I, I would love to have seen if there was a roadmap. Like, I mean, and how deep it went, like how far down it went, and where these characters were supposed to go. Uh, because I feel like this film showed me some hope for this character, because I liked him in this. And I walked in not being a huge fan of his portrayal of the Flash, but I enjoyed him in this. And it would have been interesting to see where, if this film had been the success that they were hoping for, and they did do another one with him, what would the character have been like in that movie? Like, would this increase and this growth of the character been enough that I'm like, oh, I find that I really dig this Flash. Um, it's it's an interesting, you know, and I found that, that this film made me think that more, which... Um, I think that was the success of it. I enjoyed that part of it. I'm like, I'm actually getting into the growth of this character. I think that's one of the things about the DC cinematic universe uh, is that I think they've had some impatience based on Marvel's success. Uh, 
Yeah. I think, you know, they saw where Marvel went with the, with the you know, the, the connected universe, and they decided, well, we got to get some of that money. Uh, but instead of organically growing their universe, they decided, okay, you know what? We had one Man of Steel movie. Uh, let's let's go right to Batman v Superman, the you know the Dawn of Justice, and we're going to create the Justice League out, out of uh, you know just you know right away. Instead of just saying, okay, you know what? Let's let's keep going with Superman. But while we're doing Superman, let's let's get a Ben Affleck Batman movie out there. Let's get a Flash origin movie out there. You know, they, they tried to just rush it. Now when they actually have a movie that, that kind of allows things to breathe and let it develop a little bit, they've decided to shit can the whole thing and start it over again. So it's like, it just makes you, you know, make, makes me want to pull the hair out of my head to some extent. And, and I've said before, uh, I like Henry Cavill's portrayal of Superman. Yeah. I don't think he always had the best material to work with, but I think his portrayal has always been good. And I'm disappointed to see him have to walk away from the role. And I could only think the only reason for that is he's, whatever, 40 years old now, and they want to be able to you know, make multiple movies if possible with whatever actor they use. And they don't want to... You know, they don't want to be in a Robert Downey Jr. situation where now he's in his mid mid fifties and you know we're we're still looking to move on, you know, move to make more stuff. So that's that's the only reason I can come up with for for getting rid of him. I think they really just have that overall mindset of just like wanting to start over totally. Like they, if they're going to blow it up, just blow everybody up pretty much. So that feels like what's just going to happen. That feels like what they decided like a while ago they were just going to do. I don't think it's a knock on him specifically. I feel like his. Man of Steel is really what more got one messed up. I feel like they could have gone in a better direction, especially towards the end, like you guys were talking about. And just like he, he his performance, just like the Flash in this movie, it wasn't the individual's performances a lot of it. It was just the overall movie at, at certain points was felt a little, you know, off. But like overall, yeah, this Flash, this is a lot of people's first like time really seeing the Flash. A lot of times, a lot of people didn't really watch Justice League as much. I, I think a lot more people watch this movie than Justice League. So I feel like, yeah, his, his performance alone with the, the common and everything, I, I enjoyed that too. But, I mean, we'll see. I don't think they're going to bring him back. But uh, I think especially because of his behavior, they probably are going to look to kind of use that as a segue, especially because they're already starting over. But, yeah, I, both of their performances were good. It's just, yeah, Man of Steel, I feel like it's one of the one of those where I feel like the more they've kind of leaned into, like, the comedic side at times is when they've had more success. Like, you know, like Shazam, again, not the greatest movies, but, like, probably more of a positive reception, at least with the first one, than they got with a lot of movies. So, like, at least it got people's attention. So I feel like that that's kind of the way Marvel does it, where, again, you kind of mix in comedy and being serious but i feel like that's kind of where they've been a little bit more like they've got a lot more success doing that like suicide squad a little bit fair and i i don't disagree with anything there uh my my worst part just by the way my my worst criticism of man of steel was not the ending of the movie it was the the philosophy of Jonathan Kent that bothered me the most about that movie, because I think Jonathan Kent was always the ultimate, supposed to be the ultimate optimist, and for him to say, "Yeah, maybe you should have let him die," that 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 didn't sit well with me. Uh, and then and then saying, you know, I have a son who can move faster than the eye can see, who could just rescue me from this hurricane without anybody even really being aware of it. Uh, but no, you know what? That's all right. Let me die. <laughs> I just it didn't do it for me that that particular aspect of the movie was what what bothered me the most so you, you take that out and I enjoyed that movie but again I, we were just wandering on to other movies here what did you think of the choice because in Flashpoint uh, it was a malnourished Superman that they rescued uh, what do you think of making that Supergirl instead of Superman 
Oh, is, that, is that me or him? Yeah, because if, if that's whoever wants to answer it. Honestly, I, I liked it because it was a switch up. Again, at that point, we had already known she was going to be in the movie. I mean, I wasn't sure if they were going to do it where they find her first and then they end up finding him. But honestly, I, overall, I, I, she did, she did, she was very good in that movie. So I, I didn't have a problem with it because she was very good. If they did that and then she wasn't really that good, then I would have had more of a problem. But overall, I like that philosophy. I like the way they did that. She was a highlight of this film. Um, I really liked the character. I was intrigued by it. I wanted to know more about her because she was. Fr- it was a fresh concept because it wasn't the Supergirl concept I was used to. But it wasn't. It also wasn't them trying to make her into the Supergirl like some weird version of the Supergirl I was used to. They completely like went with the multiverse and said, "We're going to throw a new version in your face and let you just really wrap your head around this." And I found I. That's one of the areas where I'm sad the film didn't do better, because I would like to see her in, like, her own movie, or see her appear in other movies. I don't know that this necessarily means that we're not going to get her again, but I thought she really was a standout. I liked the interplay with her and Barry. I thought it was great. Um, I thought the action sequences with her were great. It was nice to see Superman action, you know, in the film. I thought that that was something that um, I enjoyed, especially my second viewing of it. And I don't know why I appreciated her breakout scene more um, and what was going on there. Uh, I thought it mixed things up a bit. And it was nice to have, you've got like, to, to the point of the generational concern, you got... Barry, which is part of that DC universe, you know, that the DC film universe that we've had. You have Michael Keaton that was clearly part of our generation, Paul, where we, you know, kind of got to see him, you know, back in that that whole 89 bat craze. And then you've got her, which is kind of for everybody. We're all now linked in the ground floor of this character. Nobody knows who she is. Nobody knows what version, where she's from. And I thought that part was really, really intriguing about the character. And I wanted to know more. And I, I, th- I thought I thought the costume looked good. I thought it was, you know, everything was, I thought the action was believable. I liked the character. That was me. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I liked her in this movie. I thought she did, I thought the actress did a great job. I thought the part was well written. And I'm not sure if she could carry a movie on her own. Because I'm not sure where you'd bring the plot. I think, you know, you need to really come up with a storyline that's going to grab people. And, and I'm not sure how to do that with a character that you're basically, you know, fashioning from the start uh, with, you know, a, a Superman background. But one of the things about this movie was, and I, and I thought this was an interesting dichotomy, was they had the fact that. If you mess with the multiverse, I, I loved Michael Keaton explaining it with the bowl of spaghetti. You know, it's, it's everything's mixed up. And I, I really thought it was a cool aspect of it, like that he said, you're not only affecting from that point forward, you could be affecting things in the past as well, which is a definite, definitely a different take on time travel than I've ever seen before. So I liked that. But then there was also the aspect of it that there's certain things that are unchangeable. And the fact that Batman and Supergirl were going to die in that battle with Zod were unchangeable. 
and you could keep going back and back and back. And every time you came back, the same thing happened. It might have happened in a different way, but it was going to happen every time, no matter what. That's you know. So that's playing. Uh, you you know your 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 future is your own on one side, and fate is unchangeable on the other side. And trying to mash them together somehow, which I like when movies make you think, and that made me think. I like yeah. that there was versions of Barry that didn't give up on that too. You know, like and that made him the villain of the movie, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah. No, I enjoyed that as well. To me, to me, when you're involved in the multiverse, the point of it is to make it as chaotic and unexpected as possible. So that, yep. that honestly, that was probably the best way they could have gone. Is that yeah, the last guy you would ever think of is, is going to be the villain, especially that version of Barry is like the jokey version that doesn't take things seriously. So like the fact that they kind of like had like they almost did like the. Uh, he goes back to the beginning of the film when he got knocked into the other dimension and it turned out it was him. That was almost the perfect way to go about it. But yeah, to me, the way they did it with including all these other universes and everything like that, they could not have done it better because like I said, the whole point of it is to have all these cameos and all this chaos going on. So I, I really enjoyed the way they did that. Honestly, more multiverse stuff, the better in my opinion, because they, the, I feel like the multiverse is there's so many things they haven't even explored yet that I feel like, because with me, I feel like sometimes a lot of movies, especially when you do sequels, it gets a little bit stale when you kind of have, let's say, good guys, bad guys, beats the bad guy at the end. I feel like throwing a lot of, a bunch of curveballs in there, it really keeps things fresh. So. Well, having a multiverse also just allows them so much freedom in these movies to not necessarily have to reboot things from the start. Uh, you know, having, you know, just, I'm going to shift over to Marvel for a minute. Having introduced the multiverse now, if they want to bring the character of Iron Man back, they can. If they wanted to bring a young Captain America back, they can. Uh, and it's, you know, it could be, well, he's from another, you know, one of the other universes or whatever. And it's, okay, there we go. Let's move on. Uh, and, and I, I, I love that aspect of it. Uh, I love the fact, I thought this was really cool. And it's, it's an interesting thing is that, uh, Michael Shannon as Zod, uh, was a little critical of his use in the movie uh, because, let's be fair, he he was really more of a plot contrivance than he was uh, a character. He didn't really get to act to speak of except to just chew up a little scenery for a couple of, of the scenes. Uh, and he, I, I believe he said something like that. He, he felt like he was being used as an action figure uh, as opposed to an actor. Now, Michael Shannon is, is famously kind of miserable in every role he plays. So, uh, you know, that that's fine. But I, I do agree with his criticism of the role. But I, I think that comes from his disappointment with not being able to emote and act and do all the things he would want to do. But as far as the character's utility in the movie, I think he's used perfectly. You don't need to give him a personality. You don't need to give him a character arc. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't one of those guys that has like some crazy personality or like backstory that you're exploring. I think. Most people are familiar with, with what happened from the previous movie. So, I mean, yeah, that was, I thought, yeah, he pretty much, they squeezed pretty much all the juice they could out of him in that situation. So, but I get what he's saying, but yeah, that's, like you said, he's kind of just known as that guy. But I definitely agree out of all the characters they, they included in this movie. Obviously, Supergirl's the one person, I think. They, I mean, if anything, they could almost throw back to, let's say, the comic books when Lex had her, you know, back, way back, like this is like 90s, when she was kind of Lex's assistant kind of thing. They could almost mm. be like, let's say she arrives on Earth and Lex is trying to like kind of get her under his thumb, that kind of thing. I guess if anything, you can kind of do that. But I mean, yeah, it could be cool to see her to the multiverse. Again, she could pop in when you least expect it. So that, that's kind of the benefit of that is that certain times out of nowhere, it'll be like, oh, Supergirl was on a was off world or whatever it was when she came back. So she's definitely interesting enough that it'd be worth bringing her back. So. 
So I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, what we were saying about Ezra Miller's acting. And I thought one place where it succeeded was that there were two separate characters being portrayed. And they were both the same character, but they were different. You had Barry Allen at, I'm guessing, 25 to 27 years old. And you had Barry Allen at 17 or 18 years old. And you have the same actor playing both of them. And they definitely have a different maturity level. And they have different life's experiences. Mature Barry Allen, or more mature Barry Allen, uh, has been through the loss of his mother and the loss of people and the tragedy. And they even touch on that a little bit about when he talks about where he was during the attack by the uh, the crypto, uh, Krypton uh, villains uh, and, and how he, you know, tried to save somebody, but he couldn't or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, whereas young Barry Allen had none of that. He had never experienced the loss or anything like that, which is why, in my mind, his character ends up in that eternal loop where he's going back and back and back and trying to make things right when he can't because he can't accept loss. Whereas mature Barry, by the end of it, says, you know what? We have to stop. We have to let this go. And I have to go back and make things right and let my mother die because she has to die. And that's a pretty heavy concept on in in what is mostly a lighthearted lighthearted movie yeah it's like in a lot of these movies it's good to throw in like that emotion it's like let's say guardians of the galaxy like yeah again even a comedic movie has to have some of those moments that kind of get you like emotional and tugs at the heartstrings and on that so it's it one of those things yeah you have to come full circle and understand it because again even the most you know comedic characters have moments where they like where they realize like oh this is a this is a powerful moment to have a realization and stuff so I, that, that was overall that like that the full circle moment was a perfect thing he realized he had to come to terms with it that was that was a good ending because again like the ending is never going to be totally serious. Obviously, you've got George Clooney at the end and all that stuff. You're going to have some moments like that. But, like, I thought that was a good ending to it, and it's pretty satisfying. Agreed. All right. So all of that said, do we have anything else to, to discuss on this one before we get to ranking it? No, I think that's okay. I think I'm good. Sean? No, this one was a good one to talk about. It was uh, We actually went a lot of directions I didn't expect. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I always go back to when I used to watch uh, professional wrestling and Roddy Piper's comment of just when you think you have all the answers, I change the questions. Anyway, so I'm going to say I really enjoyed this. I don't think it was a flawless movie, but I honestly, the flaws were all small enough that none of them really bothered me. Uh, I think it was a really solid Jaws 2. I'm going to look forward to watching it again. Uh, I don't, again, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I can't rate it as Jaws. I don't think it reaches that level of, of quality and, 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 and weight. But again, I still don't really have any serious criticism of it either. Uh, can you refresh my memory on the uh, ranking system? Sure. Uh, Jaws is basically saying it's a perfect movie. It's an all-time classic. Jaws 2 is a really solid movie, very enjoyable, worthy of multiple viewings, and, you know, just really good. Jaws 3 is, it was all right, I enjoyed it, but, you know, nothing special. And Jaws 4 is just not good. Yeah, I, I would say Jaws 2, I'd say. Like, it's, it's definitely one of those movies that's entertaining enough for you to rewatch it or want to show it to someone else. But, yeah, obviously, again, I wouldn't say all-time classic. 
but again, I, I enjoyed the movie, and it's not it was it was at least to me better than average, and it was it was worth rewatching again. So yeah, I'd say Jaws too. I'm gonna say hi Jaws too, and it's solid Jaws too as far as if I look at it as an overall movie. But where it's high Jaws too for me, and I will admit it's totally nostalgia. I thought the Michael Keaton arc was a lot more than what I was expecting. It's, it's an example. We talked earlier about previews and this type of thing. And I felt like the previews, while they gave a lot, they did not lead me to believe that I was going to be getting as much as I did out of that, that particular character. And I loved that. I mean, it was, it was every bit of what I would have wanted out of a third opportunity to see Michael Keaton as Batman. Um, I didn't realize I wanted it as much as I did. Uh, but but i mean it's not just him i love the film overall it was a lot of fun but um i'd say definitely high jaws too it's uh, not not the jaws category but certainly it's a film i'll watch again no question my mind's the same for me uh one of the interesting things i thought about the michael keaton character arc by the way was uh when they get there He's not really being Batman anymore because he doesn't have to because he says something about Gotham City is now one of the safest cities in the world, uh, which so he, he accomplished his goal, which then brings me to uh, the Dark Knight Rises uh, when, you know, that is Bruce Wayne's goal in the Christian Bale movies is to get to the point where he doesn't need to be Batman anymore. Uh, but then the way Keaton played it, I felt like he was thrilled to have a reason to go back into action ultimately and that that was fulfilling for him and that it was almost his fate that he needed to uh eventually meet his end as batman which is what he did so i I think he i think he went to a happy ending uh in that respect i think that's the way he wanted to die so I, i thought that was a cool character portrayal uh both in the script and in the acting so we, I, I hadn't mentioned that the first time through. But uh, I guess that's it for uh, The Flesh. And I hope you all enjoyed the, the, re- the review. And Sean, as always, thanks for joining me. And Brett, thanks for coming on. Awesome. I had a good time. We'll be back soon. All right. Well, we'll see. you got to invite me to the movies again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Superman, then you're on your own. You're... You are here. Yeah. I'm Batman.